Hey, welcome back once again to the Uncommon People podcast. This is episode 20. Um, This show is about you and me and everyone in between. This is a conversation that I get to have with all sorts of different people, exploring their stories, their experience, and their perspective in an effort to just learn from each other and enjoy the conversation. I'm a conversationalist. I really love talking with people. So this, like I said, is episode 20. Um, It's a conversation with my friend Lindsay Gore. We go over a bunch of different stuff around her life, her education and faith upbringing and all sorts of different things in between all of that. So I hope you enjoy this conversation, that you learn from it. If you'd be interested in having this sort of conversation with me, you can reach out. My website is joeltimothy.co. And there's contact info up there, so you can get in touch. In the meanwhile, like I said, this is episode 20, and I hope you enjoy listening to it. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks. I'm so excited to be here. Wow. Best day ever. Whoa. <laughs> Let's I like, not go that far. <laughs> I like to say when I'm leaving people, have the best day of your life. Someone said it to me one time. And so it's just really kind of having the mentality of going from glory to glory, you know? I've never peaked. <laughs> Anyways. Has it ever happened? Have you ever left a conversation with somebody <laughs> and they said, have the best day ever? And you're like, wow. <laughs> and then the day was actually the best one you've ever had. I like not that I recall I say it to people pretty regularly so I guess I should circle back with them but it was only one time that I heard it and I have no idea if it was my best day ever is that your go-to farewell greeting yes not greeting have the best or yeah have the best day of your life have the best day of your life yeah wow it's just I mean it's a really nice thing to hear yeah you're like I guess today could be the best day of my life best day of my life (laughs) 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 woof today Yeah. Today is going to be the best day <laughs> of my life. Of my life. Yeah. Yeah, we're, pr- we're pretty loud here. I'll move it a little. <laughs> hey. Uh, and just turn it toward you so it's facing right up. It's a little tight. That's fine. It's strong. <laughs> there it is. How's that? Okay. Yeah. I think okay, it's probably cool. good. It's, man, one of the things that is also difficult for me as I'm figuring out is the consistency of recording. Yeah. Because everybody speaks at a different volume. Yes. And there's not any kind of gain control on how sensitive these record. Mm. So it's really just about distance and figuring that out with everybody yeah. individually, including me, apparently, because <laughs> because depending on which mic I'm using, it might be a little louder. <laughs> so cool. it's just something I have to deal what with. What a fun game. I know, right? <laughs> oh, man. We love it. Yeah. Man. Cool. <laughs> what are we talking about I today, Jill? <laughs> okay, we're talking about you today. Whoa. Yeah. Cool. So you're a smart person. Thanks. Yeah. You went to college? I did go to college. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Man, <laughs> it's wild. I feel like it's... Uh, I'm, I was actually thinking about this, obviously, because I knew we were going to talk about this, but mm. I think there is some part of me that like my dad growing up always told me I was smart or like just in like 
planted the idea in my brain that I was like very capable of anything and I just had no like I just did not grow up thinking I had limits to that and that only came later in life when you know peers were like you're dumb or I I remember like I don't know if this was true where you grew up but like blonde jokes were totally a thing like at the elementary school age yeah yeah and middle school it surprises me that people still make blonde jokes yeah when I hear it it catches me off guard now because it doesn't feel as big of a thing but growing up it was a big thing people just assumed I was stupid do you think it's the way people talk about it or the way you as an adult now perceive those kinds of statements uh no I it was definitely it was pretty straightforward like there are some ways where it's like you know you have like a secret insecurity inside and then you just like will force that onto what people say but mm-hmm. it was very much like I did something like dumb in the moment people are like oh it's because you're blonde and even like people that's really close to you and it, mm-hmm. and it like broke trust a lot and so it, it was like then it was those seeds of like oh you're stupid mm-hmm. planted and so I don't know I've even realized maybe I was like naturally intellectual but then really minimized that because I wanted to be like socially accepted and it felt like that was not cool and so I, I felt it felt like a secret that I was like intellectual at the core and it still kind of does like I don't think people meeting me are like she but she's probably smart like when I tell people about my college experience they're always like are you serious and I and that's why it became such a pride thing is because it like plus one respect you know Mm -hmm. and so I used it as a tool for that for sure okay and you went to Texas A&M I know that much I did go to Texas A&M I did. So I, I know, Lindsay and I know each other already. Yeah. As, I mean, as, essentially everybody on here I've, I've known for a little while. Yeah. There were a few people early on who I'd only had very minimal interaction with before interviewing yeah. them. Yeah. Lindsay and I know each other. So I know you're a graduate of Texas A&M. Yeah. I know that you were studying, was it chemical engineering? Nuclear engineering. Nuclear engineering. <laughs> yeah. Dang. See, your face changed. That's proving my point. You're even like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Nuclear engineering. Yeah. You hear those words and yeah. it's just, you automatically make assumptions about the person that it's attached to. Right. Um, that's like a smart people degree, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know why, but I, I had gathered previously as a younger person too that texas a&m is a pretty prestigious school to go Mm -hmm. to prestigious prestigious i say prestigious but yeah and (laughs) um so both of those things combined together yeah just kind of formed that picture automatically in my mind Mm -hmm. is what was your experience as far as educationally um what was an expectation of being an A&M student studying nuclear engineering. <laughs> oh man, there were so many things. It was it was it was tough. Well, and the thing too was I got into the honors program early on and so I was in engineering honors, which to get into the engineering program at Texas A&M already feels like a huge big deal, but to be in the honors engineering program, you're just like some other level. Hmm. I did not belong in the honors program. <laughs> Let me just put that out there. Not even at all. <laughs> So, and I learned that day one. So, really, yeah, like I don't even know how any of that works. So, how do you end up in the honors program yeah. without having, at least to your mind, what you need to be in that position? Yeah, 
it's it's just hard because everybody comes from a different background. So I ended up working in the admissions office at A&M my later years of college and got a greater look at the admissions process for people and coming from private school who are homeschooled, public school. I went to public school. And so I knew that if I had um, a certain GPA or no, 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 if I was in the top 10% of my class, I would be automatically admitted to sex A&M. And so that for me, like I was always in the top 10%. And so I didn't have to worry about even like, am I going to get in? Like I never, hmm. I didn't even apply anywhere else because I knew I was going to get in. And so uh-huh. I was like, why waste the money when I know? Um, but you still have to like be admitted to the, enge- the College of Engineering. And so I was admitted to the College of Engineering. And then after that, I just got an email about the engineering honors program. And so I was like, not necessarily that I want to do it, but I just want the like, what am I trying to say? Like the the prestige. Yeah, the prestige of being yeah. able to say I was in it. Uh-huh. And I was like, it probably won't be that much extra work. And it, it, it kind of was, but I didn't care enough to like maintain it. So okay, I dropped it after a year. <laughs> okay, so we're gonna back up further from yeah. there. Yeah, because there's a lot of stuff that happens in life before you get to college. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. I guess talk a little bit about like your family dynamic mm-hmm. and what you were moving on to as somebody graduating high school, going into college. Yeah. And was that like a big change? And what did that mean for you yeah. in that stage of life? Oh, gosh. <laughs> it's a well, you can, We can just talk about like, let's yeah. go one thing at a time. So yeah, yeah. About, yeah. I know you have one You have one younger brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's just the two of you and your it's parents. just us. Yeah. So both my what parents. What was that like growing up as the eldest of two? <laughs> of two. Yeah. yeah. It was It was interesting. Well, and I told you earlier, like my brother is six years younger than me. So mm. never was I ever feeling like he was a threat to me. You know, it was always just like as far as academics go. So to give more context, I'm very competitive. I like wanted to be the best. I set the bar very high and I was like, there's no way he's gonna, I mean, maybe he does. I'm not like the best of the best, but I'm like setting a reputation for myself. And Mm so, and that really mattered to me. Like my parents really, so both my parents come from pretty um, challenging backgrounds and they fought for everything that they have. Like just to like, have security and stability was like really all they wanted and so Mm -hmm. and they wanted that for us which they got and they did and so I'm like so incredibly incredibly thankful to my parents for that um but that being said they my dad always you know kind of imposed like you're not a victim and so he never wanted me or my brother to use like a victim mentality as an as an excuse because Mm -hmm. he like and my mom both had to overcome so much and they fought for it. And so I kind of like, even though I never really had like anything in my environment that was going to hinder me, I had this mentality of like, I'm not a victim. I'm going to fight for everything and work really hard. And so school was a big part of that. Like my dad really also, both my parents really were like school's number one. And so I had like, that was my top priority of how I was going to prove to my parents, to myself, to my peers that I was like successful I guess and so my idea of success was completely based around academic performance and how much money I could make at some great job I was going to have one day mm-hmm. and, and and interwoven in that is like I want to help people you know and so yeah. it's like coded in these different layers of like really 
from early on having a lot of humanitarian, you know, <laughs> like effort in mind. Yeah. Particularly when it came to like civil things and social justice, just because I was telling you earlier, my family is uh, multi-ethnic. And so it just like fighting for that early on in a very conservative place that I grew up was like a big deal to me and I was often the only voice standing up for specifically racial things um not to say I was like you know the one guy but it was just like there was a clear racial divide in my high school and it was like strange to be on not the side that I guess you would think that I belonged on but it was because my family is my family and so anyways that's kind of interwoven into it too but kind of a sidetrack but for me I was, like, always going to be in pre-AP, AP classes. My mom really fought for me to be in this, like, gifted and talented program when I was in elementary school. And so, and I I didn't get in, like, multiple times. I took the test and did not make it. And my mom was like, no. (laughs) (laughs) What age would this be? Like, third grade was when I got into the GT program. And so I was, like, first and second grade. How old are you in third grade? Gosh, I have no idea. How old are you in third grade? (laughs) I was like, you know, what do you, you're like five or six when you go into kindergarten. And so I have no idea. So I was homeschooled. So I was just a kid at all points. I was no <laughs> age. Like, yeah. I don't have a specific I age. Have no, like, I can't even tell what age kids are like in public. I'm like, you could be three or 14 and I have no idea. <laughs> That's a little dramatic, but you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I'm so like, I'm like eight or nine. And, like, this is getting ingrained in me so, so young. And so then I was like, well, let's see. I guess I was in pre-AP everything all through middle school. Anything that I could be, I was going to be in the, like, higher level classes. And I made good grades, like, but they didn't, like, destroy me. Like, my brother, whenever he was in, like, fifth grade or something, he got his first B and he, like, cried about it. And I was, like, upset, but I wasn't, like, torn up, you know? When you got your first beat. Yeah. Not when he got his. <laughs> yeah, when you he got like, his first yes. beat. I was like, yes. <laughs> no, no, just, you know, preface. My brother has greatly surpassed me in all things. So, <laughs> just throwing that out there. Okay. But, um, yeah, so, like, middle school, I'm really struggling socially, but trying to be the best intellectually and so it's kind of a common nerd complex Hmm. (laughs) like i'm in band i'm not cool like i'm wearing weird clothes you know all sorts of things i have a bowl cut it's bad you know (laughs) and so i was very isolated socially and so then i but that really bothered me and so i turned a lot of my effort at some point to studying people and like just watching them and observing them to learn how to not be weird. And it took like every effort, mm-hmm. um, which again, a whole other sidetrack. But that that was another part of my public school experience. Yeah, I hate to use the word bullying, but there was like definitely some like stuff people said to me that was like, oh, my biggest fear. You said it to my face. Cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. so there, it was tough. I did not have a great time in public school. Um And so, but I used it to my advantage to like climb whatever ladder. So I like in high school is where I got most intense because that's when like AP classes 
Income, which advanced placement program. Okay, that's what I was going to Yeah, ask. Like, <laughs> yeah. I keep, I'm just AP throwing class? that around. Yeah. So AP is like a college level class um, and it's, you can take it. And at the end of this class, you take a test and depending on what score you get on the test, you can test out of college classes. Oh. And so it so directly. You skip it essentially. Yeah. By doing it but right. early on right so yeah like at i think i took my first ap class my sophomore year of high school like you're taking pre-ap which is like not like you're not going to take a big test at the end you're not going to get college credit but it's like upper level it's not the normal you know we call it on level it's getting you ready for ap classes yeah. which at that point move you past having to do that in college right okay. yes so that's the whole goal which we, you also have dual credit, which is where you literally just go to a community college campus and take a college class. Mm-hmm. But I didn't do that. AP was harder, so I did that. Stupid. I don't know. Were you, even as a high schooler, like entering into that, were you aware of that success-driven thing of wanting to be the best, wanting to study how people are doing things so that you can then learn and get better at it and okay. improve? Yeah. It, it was. Like yeah. that was a goal. Yeah, and I and I thought it was a good thing. Like and I and I, I mean to some extent it is, mm-hmm. like yeah, self improvement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I didn't see the ways that it fed my insecurity because I was always sitting in this position of not good enough. Like right. and I mean even still, that's probably the the biggest like lie I would say that is like in my head. It's much less in my head now or like it doesn't have as loud of a voice Mm -hmm. but it is kind of that underlying drive for me in a lot of ways is like I'm not good enough and and it and also it kind of puts me in a a position of humility because I'm I know that there's room for me to grow Mm -hmm. and I want it and so it has good and bad but primarily in this season of life it's toxic for me because I'm just insecure like there's that's the only outlet of that feeling is like i'm not good enough i'll never be good enough i'm gonna keep trying to prove myself but there's like at no point like there's no scenario realistically where like that feeling is like finally achieved in my head i think it's like when i get into college when i get into this when i get a job when i make a bunch of money like that's the goal Mm -hmm. but really i just needed like something else which was god (laughs) to to like satisfy that that need to like be good enough and it was honestly more about being loved than it was about accomplishing anything so at least that's where i'm at now so yeah so that (laughs) was what you were describing that's where you were your whole high school journey and then going into college you were still in that mindset Mm -hmm. yeah for sure (laughs) wow wow yeah it was tough so did you jump right into engineering Mm mm-hmm yeah, I mean, I, I, I didn't really have an ambition to be an engineer until probably my sophomore year of high school. They had like a group of engineers come to my high school and like give a whole spiel about engineering, and it's so weird because the way they pitched it was not what engineering actually is. <laughs> it's and and I think that's how they get you. Yeah, that's how they get you. <laughs> I mean, at least from what I experienced, and so yeah. I think. There was, like, this big push in the school system for STEM. Like, they were like, we want to, like, push kids and give them opportunities in science, technology, engineering, and math. And so I'm naturally pretty good in math, and I love math. And so because of that, there was this push for me to, like, go in that direction. I didn't really know what I wanted to do with it practically, but I knew that I liked math, and that was kind of it. And then this engineering dude comes in, and he's like, yeah, I make a million dollars 
a year not really but and I just have so much fun in it like it involves creativity and math and science and and he made it sound like this perfect thing and I and I also have a lot of creative tendencies like love to paint love to write and so I thought oh this is perfect this combines creativity and like math which comes naturally to me and I can make a buttload of money and it makes you sound really smart perfect and so I really like fell for it I feel like yeah <laughs> and, <laughs> one time I asked Thomas what he does yeah. this was a while back when I yeah. first like one of my first interactions with him yeah and he described what he does in such a way that I was like well what do you do <laughs> because yeah. it sounded he was like talking about bridging the gap between people and how they communicate with each other and trying to fix relationships yeah and i'm like what what <laughs> like, yeah i work with computers <laughs> <laughs> yeah and you're like wait <laughs> oh okay but right. i thought it was so cool because he had an understanding of what he was actually doing at a deeper level yeah beyond the mediums by which he was doing them right in such a way that he could then talk about it yeah. in that way that sounded so attractive sounded so yeah. adventurous there's more going on there than yeah. just well here's what i do on the surface is what mm -hmm. you see me doing which is typing emails or something yeah. which might be what somebody answers that question with what do you do and right. well i type emails i'm in hr i just kind of you know do that yeah but in reality there's a lot more at a deeper level mm -hmm. that is happening with it so yeah. maybe they yeah. weren't like shady so, engineering yeah. salesmen <laughs> Yeah, but but it was part of it probably was well, it just I, I I bought into it so hard and then the crash that came from that when I realized the practicality of it was very painful for me and even like friends that her I would say most of my friends that did engineering with me like their job is nothing like what school was even like so it's just it's a weird it's a weird thing school like engineering school is pretty miserable you can ask anyone like I think they would all agree it's like we're all dying, um, <laughs> <laughs> always. <laughs> but you like, you're like, but there's like some sort of reward at the end of this, so it's uh -huh. worth it. Yeah. And so I, oh man, that's what kept me going for so long was like, there's gonna be some sort of like payoff. But mm -hmm. my friends now, I'm like, where's your payoff? Like, it, I mean, yeah, you're making a lot of money, but you still seem like it. You don't love it. Like, you, you know, you go to engineering school, you do all this random stuff, all these different math and physics and all this stuff. And then you end up doing CAD, which is like 3D modeling. Yeah. And you set a computer and you do that all day, every day. And you're like, wait, what? You know, I don't know. There's there's so many different types of engineering, but I, I felt pretty, pretty gypped by it. Yes. <laughs> it's just like, this feels like not what that guy said. <laughs> Was that during the, like, did you discover that midway through your process of being in yeah. engineering school? Um, yeah. I mean, there was never really a point until after I, well, spoiler, I left engineering school. <laughs> right. Until after I left where I was, and and really just observed people finish out engineering school and then get engineering jobs. That's what broke it for me. In the moment, I still had all the drive to, like, muscle through it. I'm, like, mm -hmm. pretty good at endurance. Like, I did gymnastics. I learned endurance pretty early on. I can muscle through a lot of things especially painful things. But the only reason I left was because I felt like God asked me to. And if he wouldn't have, I totally would have finished it out mm -hmm. just for the sake of even getting the degree. But I know a lot of engineers that have engineering degrees and aren't doing engineering too. So it's like, 
it's so weird. I have yeah. a friend who did mechanical engineering and now she's in law school. It's like, what? You know, mm. a lot of people, they use it and, or they get the degree and then they don't use it from my experience. I mean, that's from my experience, not as a, a grad student or anything, but as mm-hmm. somebody who just looks at other people and observes and, and listens to other people's conversation. I love to eavesdrop, you know, <laughs> just has conversation with people. Yeah. Um, so many people get a degree that they don't end up ever using. Oh, yeah. That's just normal. Yeah, you I'm know, actually what? using my degree now, which is hilarious. Oh, yeah, great. It wasn't my plan, but. <laughs> well, it's amazing. Because, I mean, it makes sense. When you look at the situation that brings a person to deciding to major in something or go to college right. and do something, study right. something, you're on average like 18 years old. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> Nobody does. Nobody I mean, knows what a, they want at 18. I mean, this is me generalizing. Some people yeah. know yeah. very firmly. I just like, feel like this that's is what a I small do. number. Probably is a small number. Yeah. And you're like putting them at this start of a really long journey that's also a crossroads mm-hmm. like right after they get into it because now they're socially active now yeah. they're making new friends who are in all sorts of different things mm-hmm. now they are on their own and having to forge their own path and not just be with their parents let them make all the decisions right. all these things kind of come to a point for the first time Mm-hmm. right as you're entering college <laughs> yeah and you're like all right bye <laughs> yeah bye and, parents <laughs> and so then you know you study and you you get the degree because it's what you're supposed to do yeah but if it's exactly what you did because if it's what you started at 18 because it's what you thought you were supposed to do mm-hmm. you're probably going to be a different person who thinks different things right. in another four years oh yeah so there's a good chance that you, a lot of people come out of college one, having changed their major. <laughs> yeah. Or two, having the major, but now being like, I don't know if this is what I want to do. Yeah. In my normal life. Yeah. It's so crazy. And I think that's just so huge because I made fun of people for doing what I did, you know, and and especially in the engineering program I was in. And I would I think this is a shared experience amongst people at other universities and other majors even, but particularly particularly in the STEM realm you get into such a competitive place with such intelligent people and you know you're doing something really hard and really impressive and then you look down upon people who have a different path or you know say that's wrong or if someone you know changes their major you're like oh it's because they couldn't handle it but I can handle it because I'm better than them and I and it so it's definitely an ego thing that's super a part of the process and I think for me, it did become a big ego thing and a big pride thing for me. It was my identity. Like, I, I didn't know who I was apart from that. And there were just ways that I had to have that stripped for me to figure out who I actually was. Because, you know, you're not promised an engineering job or, you know, it's just it can't be who you are because mm-hmm. at some point that will fail you. And it has for me. But luckily, it's not. Like, even now, I'm like, I don't even really think of myself as a, like, smart person. Like, I think they're, like, I don't think I'm stupid, but, I, you know, <laughs> but it's not who I am, you know? And yeah. so that's, like, kind of been the journey for me of, wow, okay, yeah, I can do hard stuff, but that doesn't mean that I am, like, that is who I am, right. <laughs> you know? Which We're is cool. getting into that, yeah. which is where you find that right. for you. Can you talk about yeah. at what point... 
because it sounds like it happened in college mm-hmm. and I've heard a little bit about it. Mm-hmm. At what point and how did it start? That realization started coming yeah. to you of this thing couldn't define me and I don't even know if I want it to. Yeah. Well, it's just kind of really so to provide some context for where I was mm-hmm. at my senior year of high school, which is really this is like the pivotal point between high school and college. Right. Um, I'm. I was in a long-term relationship in high school, and at that point, because of having a pretty rough background as far as like socially and with a lot of insecurity, that relationship was where I found the entirety of my identity because I was receiving affirmation, really in a romantic context for the first time. And so it was, um, I we dated for two and a half years and then broke up. And so I was, and and even while and we were dating, um, I was had anxiety and, and depression pretty bad, um, and he knew that. And so for me, I had m- most of my identity in him, and then we broke up. And so luckily, I was in therapy. But if I would not have been in therapy, you can imagine it was pretty dark. Um, Go to therapy. So, yeah, therapy's great, man. Oh, <laughs> ten out of ten recommend. Me um, as somebody who has never been to therapy. <laughs> I think everybody should go to therapy. Should be. Oh, <laughs> therapy rocks. Oh man. Um, but really that like set me up uh-huh. really well for that next season. Um, because well, I was just to set the scene, I had finished high school. Um, and I was trying to figure out who I was because my whole world got turned upside down after breaking up with this guy. And then um, I'm having panic attacks pretty regularly, like pretty debilitating, can't breathe, feel like I'm going to pass out or get sick or something and did get sick a handful of times. It was pretty bad. And then also really depressed and we'll go in these like depressive episodes where I like sleep till 3 p.m., wake up, work for a few hours as a gymnastics coach. And then I'm like, go back home, go back to bed, you know, and just, it was, it was dark. Um, and so I'm going to therapy and I ended up with this Christian counselor. And so I grew up in a church, a huge mega church. And it, it was helpful because it kind of set me up a little bit. But I I had not given Jesus control of my life um, is kind of the way I like to phrase it. Because I was like, okay, like I'll acknowledge that maybe God exists. I mean, at one point I told my parents, like, God's not real. I don't believe in God, whatever. And they were pretty sad about that. But then kind of came around to like, well... Maybe he does exist. But, I mean, again, being in a STEM environment, you're prone to that mentality because um, you just want to logic your way out of everything. And so, anyways, I'm in therapy. Christian counselor, she tells me for the first time that God likes me. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you're joking. <laughs> likes. She specifically said likes. Yeah. Okay. Like, because I think I knew. You're like, yeah, God loves me. You know, I grew up in a pretty Whatever liturgical tradition. And yeah. I'm used to all the Christian words. I've been around mm-hmm. them. But they have, they carry no meaning for me, you know? Yeah. And so um, to hear like, like God likes me as a person and he's not mad at me, I was like, hmm, that's weird. (laughs) That's new. And so I kind of walked away from therapy being like still pretty broken, but kind of more hopeful. And really the only thing, and this is kind of, this is dark, but it's just honest, is like I was, the only thing keeping me from taking my own life at that point was the hope that college would be different because I had Mm. put so much anticipation on it. Like I felt like that was the, you know, finalization of all of my goals, like coming to fruition or whatever. And so that's what kept me going. And then A&M comes around the corner and 
if you know about A&M, we do, like, fish camp, which is, like, freshman orientation camp. It's a big thing. Fish. Fish, yeah. <laughs> Maybe it stands for something. I don't know. Oh, you don't know. I have, okay. like, okay. I have no idea. <laughs> fish camp. Yeah. So In Texas. Yeah. And so <laughs> it's basically, like, you get – you and, and, and most people do it. The thing about A&M is it's very tradition-oriented. Not mm. traditional, but, like, tradition-oriented where – doing like following through with tradition matters a lot and you kind of drink that kool-aid at fish camp because that's where you learn about all the traditions you like hear about the culture you make a lot of friends and you're like at this camp with like you know 500 strangers and so it's just like you're four and they like separate you from your friends if you come with your friends and so it's like Hmm. it puts you in a pretty deliberately yes yeah it so it puts you in a pretty like hard position if you're not good at socializing but it, like, forces you to create friendships. And so they do a really great job. And I did form, like, well, fish camp, not as much. But there's a Christian version of it called Impact Camp. My mom just signed me up for it. I didn't even really want to go. And Is it related to Impact Campus Ministries? Maybe. Is that they no, 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 it's not. Okay, I'd I'd be like, we, yeah. whoa. I know. When the, I thought that, too, when I first heard that on Bayma. I was like, yeah. wait. No, okay. it's not. We'll talk about that podcast okay. later, maybe. <laughs> yeah, we love Bayma. Also, do you want some Kool-Aid? <laughs> Trust me, I've drank my fair share of Kool-Aid in my days. <laughs> well, I have grape juice that I just remembered. Are you serious? Sparkling grape juice, and I need to drink wow. it. Wow, yeah. Do you want some? Yes. Okay. a sparkling white guy (laughs) you're a vampire (laughs) i am (laughs) sorry that's so funny (laughs) a sparkling white guy (laughs) i'm not okay this is not alcoholic (laughs) i I haven't had alcohol in like a month or so oh wow um i was saying i'm more into sparkling white grape juice than sparkling red I don't know if I even ever had sparkling red. We always, yeah, we we. I didn't even necessarily know it was a thing. <laughs> Gotta get that ASMR. <laughs> Until um, I don't know, moving or something. Yeah, thank you. Cheers. Wow, can't wait. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> the clink. Um. No, growing up, we didn't this really have alcohol in the house. Mm-hmm. And that meant we drank sparkling white grape juice at holiday gatherings. Wow. It was specifically fun. always the white one. Wow. And I am partial to it over red. Huh. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah, my family was the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of alcohol. Well, sorry, mom and dad. They they know. <laughs> but it, it wasn't like they were drunk or anything. It was just right. like they enjoy wine. It's Texas. They're wine people. They would go to Napa and like get wine. It was like very bougie of them. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> Where were we before I interrupted about How did Kool-Aid? we even get to Kool- Oh, fish camp at A&M. Fish camp. Okay. Yes, yes. Okay. So, fish camp was fine. Met people. <laughs> Amazing. And then impact is like the Christian version of that. Right. You, you know, again, you go to this camp. It's like literally the same thing, except it's about God. And so, and I'm like, yeah, I'm a Christian. and But my mom just signed me up for it. I didn't really have a desire to go. I was just doing it because it felt like the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. 
and then um I like had a panic attack on the bus on the way there like I was really stressed and so then and also partially just because of the social situation and I was uncomfy but it was also it's just like having panic attacks all the time uncomfy feels like a comfy word just because it's not <laughs> uncomfortable yeah uncomfy sounds like huh it's kind of nice just kind of uncomfy you know yeah, i feel like i'm in a beanbag but the beanbag is on like a concrete floor and there's right. no blankets or anything and it's kind of chilly yeah that's not uncomfy. what i mean i'm talking i was uncomfortable <laughs> okay <laughs> but yeah so then i'm like mad that i had a panic attack i'm like this is ridiculous i'm mad at myself why can't I just be normal? And so then I like, I'm pretty, I'm pretty done. Like I'm pretty like at my lowest low at this camp and then like trying to like be in it and like meet new people. And so then at some point there's just like a worship set and, um, I just, I like, I, I didn't really have context for like hearing the voice of God at this point in my life, but I was just worship, well, really just watching people worship, and I just felt like there was a voice in my head that said, like, or I said to God in my mind, I'm like, Lord, because they kept saying, God, want your life, and I was like, God, if you want my life, you can have it, because like, I'm done, I'm so done, and just felt like there was this response of, okay, then I'll take it, and I was like, what? (laughs) and then followed immediately by a feeling of relief like overwhelming relief and just like any kind of heaviness that was on me immediately just completely lifted off and it was just pure joy and I was really confused and surprised because I never had uh, any kind of spiritual experience like that and so I was like what and then like without anybody telling me anything, I just knew that I had to like confess all of my sin. <laughs> it was so <laughs> strange. And these people I had just met, like just met, like a day or two prior, I was like, we had like little small groups or whatever. And I was like, guys, I have to confess. This is everything I've ever done. And they were like, what? They were confused also. And I just told them like some of my like deepest, darkest secrets that I never told anybody. And they were like, okay, cool. <laughs> but I felt awesome. And so um, it, that's what I would say is the time that I got saved because it was more about me giving God control. I was like, me controlling my own life is not working. And so, God, you can have control. And then really all of college was a journey of what does it mean practically to give God control? Mm-hmm of the different facets of my life. So, so that was freshman year? That was before college even started. Before college even started, yeah. you know you're going into A&M. Yeah. Okay. And you go to this mm-hmm. like camp that's associated with kind of an onboarding process? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. So hmm. it was wild. When, when, you, when you were talking to God in that moment and mm-hmm. you, you said, um, what was it you said to him? I was like, if you want my life, if... you can have it because I'm done. Even. Okay. And what did you mean by that? Yeah. You saying that to God. I'm saying if something doesn't change dramatically in my life, then I will take it. Like, I will end it myself. Okay. Because I am so done. Which brings extra prominence or brings, like, lends more strength to somebody, to feeling like somebody responds with, okay, I want your life. Yeah. Because that's a, it's the opposite 
of yeah. what you're saying. It's somebody saying, okay, it's somebody who is above you and who has control and strength and power mm-hmm. to hold on to things saying, I want you. Yes. That's, saying, that's different. My life that I see as completely invaluable, he says, it's valuable to me. And I was like, well, that makes no sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, it was the most real encounter I had ever had with God hmm. to that point in my life. I'm 17, 18 like that yeah so wow it's kind of crazy cool so how did that affect you then as you went into the college experience yeah what did did you intentionally start shifting things or you just <laughs> unintentionally started noticing nope things like, okay <laughs> let's, let's move on to the next yeah, stage like, yeah that's what did that what did that mean yeah. for you i didn't know like i yeah. i was just like that was awesome and it was kind of it was a jesus high it was mm-hmm. like the high that you you get when you like go to church camp i guess and then it faded because I didn't know how to maintain it. Mm. And so, um, and I didn't have anybody around me that knew how to handle what I had just experienced. Not necessarily that it required handling, but that could like hold my hand and say, okay, here's how to maintain a relationship with God. Mm -hmm. Because all I knew was how to go to church on Sunday. And so I went to college and also like in high school to numb the pain that I was feeling, I drank a lot. And so I would get drunk pretty regularly on the weekends and do very crazy things and kind of I'm an adrenaline junkie and so I would get myself into really crappy situations and so um and you know you add alcohol to that mix and mm-hmm. and it's not I, a great recipe yeah I started drinking when I was 15 years old mm-hmm. and so or that's the first time I got drunk and so from then on I was drinking pretty heavily pretty regularly and so in college I'm like well duh this only gets worse you know <laughs> <laughs> and so that was my intention is to go into college and like still think myself a Christian, but get drunk and like be crazy because that's what I think is fun. Cause that's how fun had been defined for me because it was my only escape from the pain. So, so at that point, this having already had this encounter with Jesus, mm-hmm. you still had, did you still have a mindset of, well, I know these things, this is what I do to have fun. And mm-hmm. so I'm going to continue doing that. But I, yeah. I, you were trying to figure out though, what yeah. does it look like if I want to follow this God? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was more of like in my brain in the moment when I like got saved or whatever, I'm like, everything's different now. And I don't want to do that anymore. Over time of not cultivating a relationship with God, I'm talking like months and months Mm -hmm. like I think whenever I got to college me and my roommate we tried out one church and then never went again and it my whole first and most of my second semester was I never went to church or had any like spiritual like interactions it was all about engineering school because that's what I was there for and Mm -hmm. that's what um you know my like the people in my life at that point in my circle I did make a lot of friends early on that loved God, but, like, my one best friend who I, like, sh- my dorm roommate, we didn't even share a room. We, like, had our own rooms, which is so bougie and so <laughs> Texas A&M. Oh, my gosh. But um, <laughs> but that's where I made all my friends. And so that's actually a whole other thing where my – the only reason I ended up going back to church was because my roommate um, and best friend, like, I had known her since I was three years old. Oh. Um, but we never went to the same school growing up. 
And so we were like, this is our time. And there was like some really good times where we were really close. Uh-huh. Um, and about, I think near the end of the first semester, she started dating somebody. And so she's like, like we just didn't see each other as much. Right. Um, and I had, I had, she was my only like really close friend. I had these kind of other acquaintances. Um, and so her being less involved in my life forced me to make other friends. And, and also like her and I kind of both like would go party together, you know, we'd go drinking and not like as regularly as I did in high school, but I'm, we, I went, I did, I did some dumb stuff, you know, my freshman year, I was being dumb. (laughs) So, um, yeah. So I was, and mostly that was a result of, well, the high of that like salvation moment had faded. It Mm -hmm. had become less real to me. I had like genuinely tried to like go to church and read my Bible, but it just, I didn't have any community around me to help me. You didn't know how. Yeah. And nobody else around me was doing it. And engineering school was really hard and required a lot from me. I was Uh trying to make new friends. And so it kind of fell off of my priority list Uh pretty quickly. And so then I'm like, well, I guess I'll just do the only thing that I know how to do, which is get drunk. (laughs) Yeah. And that's normal. It's like, I want to highlight too. You said you you went to church one time. Both of you did, right? You Mm -hmm. you and your your roommate. But you didn't go again. And this is after your Jesus experience. Yeah. So you knew something about like, whoa, that was crazy. That was a good thing. Yeah. I want to try and figure this out, go to church. And then you didn't keep going. What was the reason for that? Why were you not enticed by this church to keep yeah. going or pursuing? I think, in your opinion. yeah, a lot of my preconceptions about church were the problem too. So like... I went to a mega church mm-hmm. in Dallas growing up and we didn't know anybody. Well, we like knew a handful of people, but like we didn't, you know, it would be rare if we would like stay after and talk to people. Like we were pretty much in and out. Um, and so that's what I thought church was like. And when that's your cons- like notion of church, it like, it's not enough to keep you going when life gets in the way. Right. And so I think... Like I went with my roommate and she at this point is like, I'm like, like the values of Christianity, but like, cause we drove back together from impact that camp and I'm like telling her everything. And I'm like, you would not believe this experience. It was so crazy. Like I gave God control of my life. And I remember using those words and telling her about how I'd given up control and that was the key, you know? And she was like, that's awesome for you, but I'm not ready to do that. And I was like, cool like maybe one day that'll happen for you you know and so for us like for her to be the person that I went to church with it wasn't like we were both like she was like wanting to go the first time but it was not we neither of us had the motivation to like want to keep going for the sake of knowing God it was like we were gonna need some help because we had no tools you know and so I think for me like I didn't meet anyone new there. We sat in the back row. We did not talk to anyone. And it was like a good message, but it was like kind of a pat on the back where you're just like, yep, I, I agree with you, you know? And then I left and I wasn't challenged at all. Hmm. Um, and, and it didn't teach me at all how to have a relationship with Jesus. It was just like here. And this is what I would, how I would phrase it now, um, the church I grew up in. I, like I, I am really grateful for the church I grew up in in a lot of ways, but I feel like when I look at it, it was teaching me how to be a good Christian, not 
putting me in awe of Jesus. And I think that's the thing is like, that's a problem. It is because that's a problem. A lot of churches share because I want to be like a self improvement kind of human, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah. I will, but that's exhausting. And if I have a con- like conceived notion of God that says he just wants me to behave a certain way, then I'm going to get caught up in the not good enough thing again. And which mm-hmm. is what happened. And so, um, knowing what Jesus was like and how to engage with him, having tools for that was the game changer for me, um, eventually. But in the moment I wasn't, you know, it was just like more of the same. And so I felt like, well, if this is just more of the same, I didn't get what I needed from God Mm -hmm. in that context. And so peace. (laughs) Yeah, man. I got to do engineering school. (laughs) That's probably such a common experience. Yeah. Oh, like, I think so. I, I can't say with certainty because I, I just don't know. I, I would think for me, most of the reason I attended church and kept doing all the things is because it was very familiar for me. Yeah. And that's what I knew was like the good thing to do. Right. Yeah. And so that's what I did always growing mm-hmm. up. I was always the good kid and the performer. Oh, yeah. In that aspect, at least externally. Yeah. And <laughs> it was just what, what I did. Yeah. But I didn't know, I, I, I didn't, it didn't, it didn't click. Yeah. Like I've described maybe for yeah. you recently. Yeah. yeah. You told me. Like the Just like changing. knowing like what finally, it means that God loves you. Yeah. Finally yeah. being able to believe that God loves me at, at 26. Yeah. Having spent the, my entire life in church. It took me that yeah. long. Yeah. So. It's crazy. Going into college and having all the baggage of what you've lived through already and so much to do and perform in mm-hmm. right ahead of you to go into a church and just have them do the regular thing and be like, yeah. here's what you do and here's what you don't do. <laughs> yeah. Like, it was like, okay, yeah. <laughs> I guess I got it figured out now. Right. Why do I need to come back here? Yeah. Which I know a lot of people that went to that church and like have genuine relationships with God mm-hmm. throughout college. So, I mean, and also I didn't have... Uh, like I guess paradigm for God to like be able I love that word (laughs) to be able to interpret him the way that like maybe I could now like if I heard a message about like hey like as Christians this is how we handle money like I can receive that a lot better because Mm -hmm. I have a context for knowing the heart of God already but if I didn't and I'm just hearing like this is how what you do and what you don't do with money it's a lot harder and so I don't necessarily blame that church or anything, but it's it is like it it, it didn't keep me coming back. <laughs> you're, you're someone who need. Would you say you're someone who needs to have a why behind what you do? Oh uh, yeah, in some circumstances, I'm kind of a workhorse though. Like, like really, you give me some like decent vision, I can like put my nose to the ground and like get it done. Like, but so and that's kind of how I was with my relationship with God in a lot of ways. I was like, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. You know, right? Which is why you know I had so. So my roommate she like is kind of less involved in my life and i'm like well i guess i gotta find more friends and so then i have these friends and then i'm like hey can i'm just gonna hang out with them more and so i just kind of like go we have like a lounge in our dorm that we all hung out in and so i like just started being there more and they were like hey do you want to come to church with us and i was like yeah <laughs> and so i went to church with them and literally i'm sure it was the most random sermon like i'm sure it was something like 
like here's how to handle your money but i <laughs> cried the whole time like tears streaming down my face the entirety of the steward's message it must have been a good sermon because it was you know it was something that like reminded me about that feeling mm. and i like left with just tears and my friends were like you good and i was like i did i forgot like god is so good and like it was just this and it was such a like catalyst moment and they were like do you want to come to our bible study with us and i was like yeah (laughs) so i just did anything like anything with the word jesus attached to it i was there and what what age was this or this is freshman year so this is probably halfway through my second semester of my freshman year okay so then yeah so i go to their bible study and um it was a good bible study but it was it was pretty much what you would expect there's also just to preface (laughs) okay hold on (laughs) i don't even know what that sound was (laughs) he was like hey (laughs) (laughs) hey buddy <laughs> cool. Um, okay, we're back. <laughs> I got a text message. Lit. Only one text message in the last two hours. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway. Yeah. So yeah. So I go to this Bible study and, and it's a good Bible. So yeah. Okay. What I was saying was Texas A and M. It's a public school. It's the second largest college in America, I believe. When I was there, sixty thousand students. So it's huge. Wow um that's like the size of rogers <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's a big school Jeez. i know so like i can't even fathom places like jbu i'm like that's my high school was bigger than jbu this is weird wow so but so texting it doesn't feel huge when you're there though except for sometimes like when you're at a football game but it's like but but like i saw people on campus that i knew all the time like pretty much every day uh-huh. and it, it didn't feel big it felt really small and so, well, maybe not really small. It felt like you knew it was big. Anyways. Yeah, but it's kind of like living here in Northwest Arkansas. Yeah. Half a million people total. I run into people I know every single day. Yeah. It's like not that hard. Yeah. So Be- Between Fayetteville and Bentonville, yeah. wherever I am, I'm running into people I know. Yeah. Which is awesome. Yeah. And, and it's, it's a great, great feeling. That's why it's like and rocks. Also they throw you into so many situations like fish camp where you just have to meet new people. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's pretty great. But, and the like Aggie bond is very strong. I'm sure you've noticed. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. People hold up those wings and I feel like lightning is passing between them. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> um, but it is cool. It's like, you can be anywhere in the world. And if someone's wearing an Aggie ring, you're like instantly connected. It's, yeah. it's a cool concept. So Maybe there should like, be some kind of Christian ring. <laughs> well, it essentially is a Christian ring because, like, everybody at A&M is a Christian, you know? I say that kind of over-exaggerating, but it's probably true that the majority of the population is white Christian from Houston, you know, or Dallas. Like, it's it's you get a particular kind of person there, mm-hmm. and the majority of them are Christian. That is, like, not to underplay that there is actually – it's I think it's has – I'm making this up. I feel like I heard it somewhere, so fact check me. But maybe one of the highest international populations also. A lot of people come to A&M from other countries. And so it's kind of cool. We, like, got really focused on that at some point um, later on in our in my college career. I had a lot of friends that were like, I'm going to, like, go to the apartment complexes 
with the international students and live there so that I can engage with them. And so mm. it was cool. You know, there's like not every person is like a white Christian, but it's a pretty Christianized like university campus. Yeah. It's like uncharacteristic of most, I would say. Mm. Um, so there was just plenty of opportunities, plenty of Bible studies, plenty of organizations, plenty of churches. Um, you didn't have to look very hard to find a Christian event. And so like there's this event on campus called Breakaway and it's, um, a, they call it a Bible study, but it's at the basketball arena. It's like a concert. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like a mega church. Like 6,000 students go every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Oh. It, so it's it, insane. It was every, every Tuesday every night? Tuesday like through night. the semester? Yeah. The whole year. Oh, okay. Yeah. See, I went to a thing called Breakaway, but it was a camp. Different. Breakaway <laughs> is probably like a pretty <laughs> yeah. popular word yeah. to use to name. <laughs> Action verb. Church, yeah. You yeah. Know? Breakaway. Yeah. Breakaway from the trains, chains of the devil. Right. You know, like yeah. that kind of thing for, for a church culture. It makes sense. It was essentially like a church service. Like it's a dude on a stage giving a message. So it's kind of. Kind What's of... Kanye's thing called? Oh, I have no idea. There's a Sunday service. I think it's called oh. Sunday service. <laughs> yeah, his album. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, he does like church service. Oh, yes. And I yeah. think that's called sunday service um yeah similar vibe (laughs) there's a worship band yeah it's a whole thing but yeah there's a lecrae concert at the first one i went to actually so and i was like does this happen every time (laughs) they're like no (laughs) oh that's great but yeah so and so like literally i would go i remember at one point in this season where i'm like figuring out that i love god (laughs) it was like I had, I was in this organization called SWE, which is like the Society of Women Engineers. And so I was like, had a SWE meeting. Also, Texas A&M is huge geographically. So keep that in mind. I was at a SWE meeting on one side of campus and Breakaway was on the other side of campus. And my meeting ended at nine. And I was like, if I go there now, I will be 30 minutes late. But the idea of just getting even, like even if it's just an okay message, but I just get a little bit more of God, it's worth it. It's worth a 30-minute walk. And so I, like, I trekked 30 minutes. I mean, I'm trying to think how many miles that must have been. Several. It was several miles. <laughs> if you're walking, I'm going to try and do some quick homeschooling math. I used to walk eight, <laughs> eight miles a day for school. Okay. Like, just to go to classes. So, I, I mean, it was probably it was probably a handful. Of, it was maybe one mile or two. I don't know. I have n- I have no idea how to estimate length. Anyways, it's not that relevant. <laughs> okay, you walked. I walked for thirty to minutes away. to get to Breakaway, and I was got there late, and I was super sweaty, and it like I made a scene like right, trying to get Texas. in. Yeah, yes, it's one million degrees, even though it's nine p.m. You know, not actually, it's probably eighty-five, but still, man, <laughs> still, yeah. still gross. And uh, and I like my friend saved me a seat, and I and I think I got. I, maybe I, maybe the message was just all right, but really for me, it was like, God, you're worth it. You're worth anything I could give you. And so, I mean, I was going to this Bible study and that I ended up stopped going to because I just, it wasn't my, didn't fit me right. But I was going to Bible study, I was going to church. And then there was just all these random Christian events. And so I just go to everything. And so every night of the week, I was doing some sort of thing. <laughs> and my friend's like, hey, you want to go to this thing? this college night thing at this church. And I was like, sure. And so I went, that was my first experience at Antioch. Um, I went, which is the church we go to now. <laughs> and uh, it was, I remember it was Macy, actually. She was giving <laughs> a message about, it was so cool. 
It was about Lowe's, like the hardware store. <laughs> Lowe's? Yeah. She was talking about how like the kingdom of heaven or at least community in the church should be like Lowe's. <laughs> like you walk in and you're like, I need a hammer. And they're like the people of the body of Christ are supposed to be standing at the door like, I know where the hammers are. Let me take you to them. That and hasn't like, been my experience of Lowe's. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's bad. Sorry, example. Lowe's, Northwest Arkansas. <laughs> wow, get wrecked, Lowe's. <laughs> Lowe's on sunset is like you have to hunt for 15 minutes Dang. to find somebody. Well, if I'm you sorry, were... no shame. Like, it's fine. <laughs> if you're at a more helpful Lowe's, this would be a better example. <laughs> What's a different store that you can Home use? Depot? No, I mean, have you ever gone to a store where that's actually true? That, like, you go in and you immediately, as soon as you need to find somebody, they're there. Probably Target. Really? I love Target. I worked There's at Target. There's always I'm people in Target, yeah. They yeah. have a lot of employees, honestly. They do. I loved working at Target. It was the best. Anyways. <laughs> Shout out. Shout out to Target. Oh, man. But yeah, it was, it was just, it was powerful, and it, like, was more than how to be a good Christian. It was, like, this is what walking with God is like, and this is what the people of God are like and it it was like shocking to me but then I ran into a friend who I had met at impact where I got saved and she I remember when I met her I was like like just had this like intuition of like we should be friends but that you know life (laughs) and so meanwhile I'm like living all of these confusing things are happening to me she's like getting really involved with this community at Antioch and so she like invites me in she's like hey I'm have our section which is like (laughs) no i have to explain the structure so life group is like the group of people that it's like a bible study it's like worship prayer reading the bible all that stuff we do life group now a section is like a group of life groups that maybe started as one but have multiplied into multiple life groups so you're still all friends yeah that's what the groupies are (laughs) yeah yeah and then, and then zones are bigger than that. There's like the college zone, young adult zone. That's at least the structure of it at College Station. And so, and like now here, and now yeah. So <laughs> at their point, I think they had two or three life groups at that point. And their section, she's like, "Hey, my section's having a hangout. Do you want to come?" And I was like, "I don't know a single person, but sure." And which is uncharacteristic for me. Normally, I'm the kind of guy that I'm like, I need to know someone there, and like they need to ride with me, so I don't feel uncomfortable. But for some reason, I just went, and I can't really explain that, but it was definitely the right move. And it was like playing sand volleyball and going on a scavenger hunt across campus. And like with a bunch of strangers, normally that would feel really scary to me, but everybody was so nice and like genuine and wanted to know me. And I was like, this is weird. <laughs> so, but it was like good. And um, and I kept saying, oh, I probably won't make it to the next thing y'all are doing, but thank you for having me. But then I would show up. I, I don't know why. Like, I just, I ended up spending the night at somebody's house and I brought nothing. Like, I did, had no plans to, but I just kept saying. But at the end of this thing, they had a, a worship night and it was a Saturday night <laughs> and we were worshiping. And I was just remember thinking, this isn't how I normally spend my Saturday nights, but I like this so much better. Mm. And it was, it was a real moment for me. And I heard that same like voice in my head and it was like, Lindsay, these are your people. And I was like, no, God, the, my people are my friends that I made. <laughs> He's like, no, Lindsay, these are your people. And I was like, all right, whatever. And come to find out, those are my people. <laughs> I like did not really have an intention of staying with them, but it just kept getting better. Like mm. I kept meeting people that were like seasoned with their walk with God. And 
had victory in things that I was struggling with. And I remember particularly um, uh, the part of my story where I just have a lot of brokenness in relationships and friendships. Um, I had told Hannah, that girl that I met, about that. She was like, oh, you should talk to my friend Allie. Like, she has a similar experience, and she's gotten a lot of breakthrough. And I was like, okay. So I, like, met up with Allie. That was the first time I met Allie. Um, and uh, she was like, yeah, here's this thing that talks about forgiving people that have hurt you. And Is I this was an like, Allie that I know? Yeah, Allie married to Tima. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And so she really helped me, like, walk through that journey of forgiveness for the first time. And it was really a big deal for me because I had a lot of bitterness. And so it's just like stuff like that where I had these people that were coming alongside me and they were like, here, let me help you. And it was very relational and powerful. And so that's when I started going to Antioch. Well, at that point, I was going to two church services. I would go to one in the morning and one in the evening. Mm -hmm. And then I would go to like multiple things throughout the week. But then as I like became more involved, um, I had less time to go to two churches. Right. (laughs) So... Were you at this, would you describe yourself at this stage more introverted or extroverted? I think I was realizing that I was extroverted for the first time. So was it similar to you how I was saying earlier, like you just didn't really know how to make friends and be in those social settings? Yeah, it was all new for me. I was so socially awkward. Well, probably people wouldn't say that about me in high school. When I was in middle school and elementary school, definitely socially awkward. Isn't and I, everybody? Yeah, but worse than normal. <laughs> like, <laughs> like just exceptionally bad. Okay. And then by observing people because I realized that I was bad at it. Maybe this is all internal. Maybe I'm like just this is how I perceive it. But, but I like took that time to really like figure out how to not be weird and then became better at it. Um, but then I was really intimidated by social situations. But then... I was like, wait, this rocks. I love this. I love meeting new people. Uh-huh. I love just talking to them and getting to know them and like letting myself be known by them. I think I also had a lot of walls built up and so it taught me how to tear those down. Mm-hmm. So it was a powerful time. Love tearing down some walls. Love tearing down walls. Oh, and I guess at the same time, through like I'm really going through it with engineering of like school sucks and I hate it, but I have to keep going. And it's so hard. Was any of that coming into conflict at this point with your, like, Christianity coming through in your life? Yeah, it was. It was exceptionally hard because my major, the environment of engineering was not conducive to all of the fruit I was receiving spiritually. Um, the people, it's, like, not, it's very competitive. Like, I, like, I remember when I was in nuclear engineering, I would would liken it to being two different people. Like I would like go to life group, have so much fun, be so energetic in myself, feeling like truly myself in that environment. And then I would go to my engineering classes and just be completely silent, never asking questions, never talking to people, not even wanting to, like actually like wanting to evangelize to them, but not even like words would not come out of my mouth to other people. I would literally just sit there, take notes and leave. And I'm also terrified to be wrong so I don't ask questions. And so then I will like stay up late to teach myself things. Cause really in high school, things came pretty naturally to me. I studied a little bit, but for the most part, I didn't have to try very hard. I had to try very hard in engineering school, but mostly I was just trying to life hack my way out of things and just go the easy microwave route and like, you know, Google the answers kind of, you know. We still don't own a microwave. 
What? It's hard. It's a hard life. You're but I, I've learning a lot I've of lessons. I've never heard it 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 put into a life context. Oh yeah. The microwave life. Yeah, it's like I I want the convenience, like of microwaved, efficient, not as good quality. Like I'm not gonna learn how to learn, but I am gonna get the answer. You know. Hmm. And I think that was really my experience too. Is like I had no no desire to learn how to you know do particle physics i just wanted to get a grade so i could get a degree so i could get a job that made me a lot of money and prestige Hmm. and that was it so i had no desire to really understand engineering so whenever i was failing so hard i was like bro what the heck (laughs) you know why is this so hard (laughs) also i don't know how this stuff works (laughs) (laughs) so that was a problem (laughs) But just in the social aspect of engineering, it was, like, not at all the same. And uh, people are, like, pretty harsh in that environment. So it felt weird. <laughs> so in, in spite of A&M's culture being kind of Christian-oriented a lot, yeah. did you feel like there was more pushback against it with a, a different sort mm-hmm. of energy coming from the engineering school? Yeah. I mean, I would say A&M's culturally Christian. I feel like there's a difference there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I went to a very, like real life-giving church which was a very new experience for me but the cultural christianity i was totally used to yeah i mean there's a handful of people that are like no i'm not a christian Mm -hmm. and you're like that's weird you know (laughs) but um i mean even the people in my engineering classes it was what i had experienced growing up of like i agree with christian morals and values but i will not submit myself to them i guess yeah that's kind this, of a, this a is dramatic thing to, to be say. in engineering school this is a big deal for me yeah like my like really if i'm gonna be an engineer like my desire is to be an engineer for the prestige of it and to make a lot of money and i will like in my mind rationalize god into that story whatever way that i can but i'm not doing it because it's what he told me to do you know and I, and I think that's how I thought God's stuff worked, or at least how I observed it in other people. was like, mm-hmm. you do things because it's what you're supposed to do, and then you say, and I give all the glory to God, you know? And it's like something, it's an after-the-fact sort of thing is mm-hmm. what I was experiencing. So at what point did that come to a head, and it was like you weren't? Because that sounds like there'd be a lot of tension there. Oh, yeah. At, at I skipped class point. a lot at some point. <laughs> yeah (laughs) one time (laughs) i literally like i'm encountering god a lot there's and i at some point along the line i'm like experiencing like significant breakthrough in my life like i got healed completely of anxiety and depression like that was crazy and like have not had it dealt with it in five years wow or something like that that's awesome which is crazy you know Mm -hmm. i didn't even know that god could do that like i never heard a story of that happening ever and so my mind was being blown and I was just like experiencing a lot of health. And so I like knew like in my heart of hearts, the right direction. And it felt like these paths were splitting a little bit. And so an example of that is one time I literally walked all the way to my nuclear engineering class and I got like, I could see the building and I said, you know what? I'm just going to sit outside and spend time with God. So I, like, people in my class could see me from the window. I just <laughs> sat down on, a like, a ledge, and I just was reading my Bible and, like, encountering God. And people from my class were like, what is she doing? <laughs> you know? That's awesome. But I was just, like, 
for the first time there was like this priority shift of like mm. this god thing is starting to like surpass my desire for to be smart and intellectual in a very practical way yeah like it was actually showing it in that example that's not being <laughs> yeah. like oh I, man it would be so cool if i did that yeah it's, no i did that <laughs> you felt like you w wanted to do that and so you did yeah. yeah even in full view of people who would look at yeah. it and say that's foolish i was doing so many stupid things to people like they weren't stupid to me like they were really important to me but i was starting to do things were, that were like extravagantly strange for the context i was in um and I think a lot of people started to see that and be like, what a weirdo, you know? But I was I was becoming so secure in my identity that p other people's judgments didn't matter to me anymore. And it was crazy. <laughs> I was like, this is fresh. This is new. And I was everything was so new. Mm -hmm. And it kept being new. And it was awesome. And it kept getting better. And I was just like, and it was like that high became my life. And I, I just didn't think that was real. And it was. And it was awesome. And then... At some point, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm doing this engineering thing out of obedience to something. I'm like not doing it because I have a desire for it. I was doing fine grade wise. I was making A's and B's, um, with a handful of C's, you know, <laughs> and, um, but I was like making A's and B's in my engineering classes and like doing okay. Uh -huh. And at our church, we do this thing called revive, which is a spring break mission trip. And we went to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And it was my first, like, outreach trip. I never really done outreach. Partially, I just had some qualms with it because I felt like, I don't know. Like, if I'm so convinced that my religion is true, how can I impose that on someone who feels like theirs is equally true? It's kind of a hard thing for me to wrestle with. Um, but I really, like, but after seeing, like, how maybe convinced I was that I was a Christian and then like actually experiencing what it meant to like love Jesus it like kind of the doors were blown open of like you can have religious obedience and it'd be totally separate from this thing that I think is really real and so anyways I was on my first outreach trip and I was really nervous because I was still kind of wrestling with that tension um never really done it kind of scared to talk to people and then honestly did not have a lot of fruit on the outreach side of things mm -hmm. um there was a handful of things where we were like hey can we pray for you and this girl just starts crying and she's like yes you know and you have those moments but it's not really why you're doing it you're doing it to be obedient to god like no matter the fruit of the situation um but at near the end of it we had like teachings in the morning and in the afternoon and it was this is the pastor of antioch it was a college pastor of antioch baton rouge at the time he's now the pastor of antioch new orleans he's great I think, it, I can't remember his name, um, but he was giving this message about how he went through a season where God just asked him to give up everything he thought he cared about, and it was, like, his major, his clothes, like, just so, and it was just, he was like, yeah, and I just felt convicted about clothes, and so I gave them all away, and it was just, like, you know, this radical surrender and obedience, and, it, and that was, like, kind of the path I was walking, and, um, really at a place of dissatisfaction with my major, but never, ever imagining leaving it. And then um, he ends his message and this like realization starts to come upon me of like, I'm going to change my major. And it, and it was, I think the word to use is an impartation of like, it was more just like this deep sense of knowing in my body that I like couldn't explain where it came from. Mm. And it didn't feel like a command from heaven where God was like, 
Lindsay, if you don't change your major, then I'm mad at you. You know, it was more like an invitation. It felt very much like an invitation of like, hey, do you trust me? And I'm like, yes, of course. And he's like, do you trust me with your academics? And I'm like, yes, God. And he's like, okay, what if you changed your major? And I was like, what? (laughs) And I just started bawling and I collapsed. Like I was in, I was like hyperventilating crying. Like it was a dramatic, but I, and my friends are like, are you okay? (laughs) I'm like, I think God wants me to change my major. And I'm just (laughs) sobbing, like mascara everywhere on my face. Why did I even put it on? You know? And I just, it was just this deep knowing I have to do this. And so I remember we were sharing testimonies on the bus on the way back and I, and we had like a microphone and like, Amber, you sharing testimony? And I was like, yeah, when we get back to a I'm going to change my major. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm just going to not do what I was doing. And everybody, <laughs> all my engineering friends are on that bus and they're like a <laughs> wide eyed, like, how dare you even contemplate that? You know, it was so, it was such a big deal. And so, um, And I had this whole plan of, like, I was going to go into nuclear security. They have this program where you, like, live in Austria and then you get a diplomat's passport and you go to all these different countries and, like, work kind of as a consultant. And I thought, that's dope. Open door to countries where I can share the gospel. I'm going to use this for the Lord. And then God was like, nope. (laughs) I was like, but my plans, you know. (laughs) And so (laughs) um, it it was kind of, like, I was confused, but in a good way. And so literally all of my plans exploded. I had no idea. I didn't even know I was going to do communications. Like, my plans. <laughs> there they go. <laughs> like a nuclear bomb. <laughs> you know? That's so, ironic. It was, yeah. And so I, I landed on communications, which felt like a gut punch because I was like, that's for dumb people. <laughs> and so, and like, honestly, like I did. And it's just so funny. I think I was a closeted, uh, what, what would you call it? Communicator? Well, <laughs> no, like liberal arts major. That's what I was trying to say. I was, I'm a libertarian. I was like, that's not what I mean. <laughs> I was a closeted uh, liberal arts major real bad. And I had no idea. Because then I got into communications and everything was intuitive. I loved it. I actually enjoyed it. It was easy and exciting to learn. And I actually use it in my real life every day. And and so I ended up getting a communications degree with a math minor. So I still like wrapped up that like math side of me, mm-hmm. which was hilarious. My communications advisor was like, I've never had a communications major have a math minor. And I don't know what to do. And I was like, well, here I am. <laughs> so, but I love math. So you said your advisor said that? Mm-hmm. What's, what's the advisor's job? advise (laughs) make sure i (laughs) i guess that's pretty intuitive (laughs) make sure that i am able to graduate like that so like you have to have a certain number of credits to like fall in these certain categories to get your degree and so with the communications program it's like you have to have a minor you have to have a foreign language which i did not have to do in engineering so i had to make up for it but luckily i was fluent in sign language and so i tested out of a bunch of stuff wow so yeah are you still yeah i mean i would i my vocab's like pretty down but I could still do it. Wow. I could still t- talk to a deaf person. That's awesome. Yeah, I loved it. So the advisor's job is like, based on what you're studying, this is what you need to do to mm-hmm. successfully finish college strong and be on the road to Correct. Yeah. paying off your debt. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. Like, because, you know, you have to have so many 
of this class and like you have to take this class but then you have to have us you know one English class it's just like it's so confusing and so they're like here let me help you and I and I did a lot of work on the back end as soon as I started this process to like figure out how I was gonna like graduate on time because I mm-hmm. thought I had just really set myself back I did two whole years of engineering and communications is completely different <laughs> and so I was like crap I like I'm paying for college at this point so my parents helped me out on the front end and then I had to kind of cover the back end but actually this is crazy this is another reason why I was like this was God is because if I would have stayed in nuclear engineering it would have taken me four years somehow Having done two years of engineering, I only had to do one and a half years of communications. I graduated a semester early, earlier mm. than if I would have stayed in nuclear engineering. And I graduated in December of 2019, so I completely missed COVID school. Oh, wow. All my friends stayed an extra semester and got screwed. And I was like, <laughs> see ya. <laughs> I was already out of there. So it was it was so <laughs> insane. I'm like, oh my God, like how would that have happened, you know? So it was pretty cool. And then just random opportunities came up in communications where like interpersonal communication I really loved and it was really easy for me well I say loved I really just like got on Facebook on my laptop because I was like this class is so easy (laughs) and and it was a pretty big class and then at one point I was gonna skip class and I felt like God said no go talk to your professor and invite her to that art show you're doing and I was like okay and so I like went to class and I was like hey doing this thing if you want to come she was like I can't come but will you be my um TA next year and I was like uh what and in my head I'm like oh that's so nice no (laughs) you know but then I felt like God said do it and I was like no (laughs) but I did it and I ended up teaching that class half the time every single class she would make me teach half of it and what was the class it was interpersonal communications and it was a 350 person class and I was terrified of public speaking wow And it was really, but like now I love public speaking and I'm like, this is crazy. Why, why would I have done that? You know, such a random series of events. I know it was so, there were so many things like that. Yeah. When you got in my experience, this is, this is a generalization, Mm -hmm. but if you ever think God's telling me to do this and I think I know why. (laughs) Never, (laughs) not one time. No, it's going to be like. He wants me to get a degree in anthropology. And then 10 years later, you're like, I don't know why, but I'm a suitcase designer now. And it's the greatest <laughs> thing ever. Oh, my God. It was so God. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, and this, and this, and, and this. this. Yeah. And you just like follow the the trail of breadcrumbs to how that actually happened. Right. It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. That's totally what the rest of my college was like. Mm. I was like, this is like stupid how like random it is but it's just so god god this is stupid <laughs> yeah it like I to me it. to my logic brain i'm like this makes no sense but it was just like god doing this work of like ripping down everything i thought i knew and like mm-hmm. building up a new a whole new thing and i was like huh will you look at that <laughs> something i never expected <laughs> and and so i like changed my major my future plans explode and i kid you not like we had, I think after that, you know, spring break happens, we have a break, we come back and there's like this leaders equipping time. And Mitchell, our current pastor, was the college pastor at this point. And at that meeting, Mitchell is like, hey, by the way, I'm leaving to plant a church in Arkansas. And we were all like, oh, what? <laughs> and, and in that moment, 
It just felt like in my heart it was like go capital letters exclamation point but I was kind of like uh maybe that was weird you know (laughs) like maybe it was a fluke and so I just moved on and then all of my friends like my close core friends were like by the way I'm on the launch team by the way I'm on the launch team by the way I'm on the launch team and then Hannah, that girl who, like, I had made that first connection with the Antioch, she, like, takes me to coffee. She's like, by the way, I'm on the watch team. Also, I think you should go. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Funny, because I have no plans after college now. <laughs> and so, um, really, that's, like, what got me involved with church planning in the first place. It was because I feel like God was setting the stage for me to even come here, you know? And so, that's a whole other story of, like, deciding to come here the like little miracles that happened for that to happen Mm -hmm. i got a job offer in fort worth to make a lot of money and i turned it down to move here and be kind of homeless (laughs) (laughs) so and i don't regret it at all yeah not even a little it was another you find yourself in a coffee shop talking about church planting to some random dude who commented on your friend's toast yeah (laughs) and here we are and here we are (laughs) and thus our friendship was born (laughs) Gosh, and then you invited everyone you've ever met to our life group, <laughs> and now we're two life groups. <laughs> well, I don't know if that was all me, but... You, I think you did a lot of the heavy lifting there. <laughs> you invited a lot of people. Did I? You did. Like, I, I think so in my brain. I'm like... In my head, wow. I'm just... When I started coming to Antioch and going to life group, there were like a number of people, and it was like, wow, this is a pretty big group. I remember walking in the first time <laughs> to the greenhouse. Yeah, and, and it's I like opened 15 the door, people. It's like, the sound waves like knocked me off the front porch. Whoa. Yeah. And crazy. I was very happy because it was like social. Yeah. I was finally around people yes. who weren't afraid to be around people. Yeah. Um, they were like actually obeying the Bible. That was what got me. I was like, you guys are actually reading the Bible and doing what it says? Yeah. That's nuts. <laughs> yeah. And um, then just recently, which is not even a year since yeah. I started coming to Antioch, there's like twice as many people coming. Yeah. I'm like, but who? <laughs> Where'd you guys come who from? Who is it? You like spawned I outside like the door? <laughs> I knew all these people anyway. Like yeah. they were just part of the group, but it's not no. the same. Yeah. It's There's crazy. more people now. It's crazy. That's totally what happened in college, too. It just would happen like that. It's like, like at the time I joined, I think that section was two life groups, and then it became three, and then four, and then the section multiplied. And so then it was two separate sections with two life groups each, and then three. And then it was just, and it happened in the course of like a couple years, you know? I know it's normal for Antioch because it's Antioch to use the language. But the section language feels I know. backwards We're not to there me. yet. I know. Because section is like, by definition, a smaller part <laughs> of a larger thing. Which it's like a section of a zone, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, so like, until you get to the zone, <laughs> it feels like a step back. Section doesn't make sense. <laughs> so the way yeah. Maggie made those life groups, and you're and like, I feel what? like a bunch of people were confused about the name, and I was yeah. too, and I was like, why is it young adult section? Yeah, I didn't even and think now about I know. it. Yeah, sorry, we should have provided more context. I didn't even think about it. I'm like, yeah, that's normal. That's what we call stuff. Yeah. (laughs) So that's funny. I know. Now I'm like adopted into it so much. I have all this language and stuff in my brain that I'm like, oh, wait, they don't know. (laughs) But you do a good job more, I would say, than some people at bridging the gap of like Christianese to normal people talk. Oh, thanks. (laughs) I try because it really is a big deal to me. How has that come about? 
Bible Project podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. That so that is another just huge tool in my like mind of like reasons why I know God. Like which sounds kind of dramatic, but I think it's true. Like I there was so much unlearning I had to do and then relearning. And um, part of it is just personal preference. Like some people really connect with God through like liturgy and tradition. I am not one of those people. I'm like primarily experiential and logical. Mm -hmm. And part of that has to do with like, I need evidence and proof. And so like having these experiences and um, like memories is like really a big deal of like how I feel confident in my relationship with God. And part of that was like me having to trust God and do stuff that was crazy but then God came through every time, like every single time, not even kidding. It was always better than I thought. And so that's huge for me. And so also like the intellectual side, I think I put to bed for a while because I felt like I had given it up, and surrendered it. Mm-hmm. I also had experienced people in this engineering world who were Christian, but took a very like hard theological position and cared a lot about doctrine, which I don't think is bad. But using it in a way that beat me over the head as like a baby Christian learning what it means to love God, like they were like, well, you, this isn't right. Boom. You know, and it, and it felt like they were telling me I was stupid or wrong. And I didn't like that feeling. And so I, I really rejected intellect and logic in the church altogether because it felt like, well, the only way that I'm encountering God is through relationship and like through this like very like communal way so mm-hmm. that must be the right way yeah and everything else is bad <laughs> which is not a position i hold anymore um partially because at some point like after moving to northwest arkansas honestly it was like i started working and i started doing um things day in and day out and also i didn't have as str- like i a lot of my good friends were here but they also were like heavily involved in a lot of things and so and i kind of came a little bit late to the party and so I felt like I had not yet planted any roots and I was also just going through a season of like not like I'm already not super emotional but I was like even more not emotional like just I don't want to use the word numb but I just I was just primarily logic and that was and so I wasn't encountering God in the way that I was used to and so I was like something's wrong (laughs) like what do I do Mm -hmm. and I was encountering God through a very like logical means which was the Bible Project podcast primarily and it was whoa, like we're reading scripture and we're going deeper and we're using like this literary design to understand what God is saying and what he's like. And it started opening up this whole world that I didn't even know was there. And it was amazing. And what I really appreciated about it was it wasn't beating me over the head like you're dumb for not knowing this. It was like going underneath me and empowering me and lifting me up. Mm -hmm. Like here is more, like if you want depth, here it is, you know? And it felt very exciting. And so I just went through the season, I guess, of probably the past year, year, two years of just like logic being the primary means in which I'm encountering God and just being blown away. Like, this is amazing. And that was really for me feels like taking this whole story of my life where academics, logic, intellect has been kind of muddled in the way that it looks as far as like this is what the world says this is supposed to be used for and then me coming to this place of like saying okay I think I'm primarily intellectual but God I want you to have it 
And then him being like, okay, I'm going to take it and I'm going to make it holy and pure and like the way that it is supposed to be and then give it back to you. Mm -hmm. And it's just been kind of the best thing ever and just so beautiful and like uh, just feels like totally the character of God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's awesome. I want to speak to like, I tell people, you know, Lindsay and I are both (laughs) very big Bible Project fans. Yeah. And just recently i've started interacting with a few different people who bring to the conversation the fact that bible project is not super accepted with everybody and yeah. some people are like Shocks me. um it feels like some people are threatened by it yeah and i just i want to bring this up and talk about it because it seems like it should be intuitive. So if you want to want to study um, nuclear engineering, mm-hmm. you're going to go to people who already know about nuclear engineering. <laughs> right. <laughs> and you're going to be taught how to yeah. do it. Yeah. And that's normal. That's how we view everything. If you don't know how to do something, you go to somebody who does. Right. In the Christian world, at least in the one I've grown up in, the one in America that I've experienced, mm-hmm. there's an overemphasis... I think, on a certain way of experiencing and coming to know God. Yeah, like there's whatever, a right way. Yeah, whatever tradition you're from is going to like pound into you this idea that there's a certain way to do it. Yeah. And a lot of them, unfortunately, take that to the point of unintentionally or otherwise teaching their congregation that their way of experiencing God in that specific church or tradition mm-hmm. is the way that you have to do it. Yeah, and everybody else is wrong. <laughs> yeah, and that becomes dangerous because they're not going to be, almost inevitably, people are not going to be involved in yeah, one right. church tradition their whole life. Oh, yeah. Um, and they're not taught, like, how to bridge the gap between all these different views mm-hmm. and ideas. Right. Beyond that, um, a lot of people are not having their relationship with god and how they communicate with him they're not figuring that out Mm -hmm. because it doesn't line up with whatever tradition they happen to be in right so i grew up going to church and also mentally geared a certain way Mm -hmm. the church i went to did not meet the need yeah the church i went to did not teach me how to read the bible it did not teach me how even to be like strongly to have a healthy reign on your emotions and have a good emotional relationship with God too. Even though it was part of a Pentecostal movement, Mm -hmm. it was very spiritual in that sense, if you're at all familiar with Pentecostal movements. Um, And yet, it wasn't even talking necessarily about how you do that side of it. It wasn't talking about how do you relate to God from this perspective. It was also not saying how do you relate to god on an intellectual side yeah so both of those are very strong in me and neither of them was really being addressed yeah in a way that i could make sense of yeah so i know because i've experienced this there are a lot of people who in my situation just walk away from the faith entirely they walk away from god they say well this is just that church Mm. and there's all this other stuff in life that seems to outweigh what they're saying and they don't have the answers to the questions I have. So I'm going to walk away. Right. 
what the Bible Project did for me was open the door to not only other resources and perspective, mm -hmm. but people who were willing to talk about the fact that there is so many ways of going at this process of getting yeah. to know this God. Yeah. And obviously being started by a PhD in Hebrew Bible mm -hmm. and a friend of his, yeah. like they lean toward the intellectual side of how do you study the Bible? Right. But if the Bible is the primary way by which we get to know this God, then that makes sense. Yeah. You need people who are going to do that. Just like if you're going to study nuclear engineering, <laughs> you need people who know about it. Yeah. Who know how to study it. And love it and devote yeah. their lives to it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it seems when I look at it from the outside in at this point in my life, when I look at this, it seems like it should be intuitive. Right. I want to know how to read the Bible. I'm going to talk to a professor of Bible. <laughs> yeah. He knows what he's... Yeah. Like he's given his life to this. It makes sense. Yeah. He's given yeah. his life to this. And that yeah. doesn't mean... I automatically think everything that comes out of this person's mouth right. is the word of God. Right. Yeah. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah. But it does mean a lot more weight is lent to the things this person is bringing up and the perspective they add to the yeah. conversation yeah. than if I'm just going to church, to my one church of a particular denomination yeah. and just taking what that person says. Yeah. as would stray from god right so That's for huge. me being the way that i am the bible project was something that started not just answering questions that i had but just being an encouragement that mm -hmm. there are answers to yeah. questions yeah and well, you can sure. ask them that yeah that was huge for me i was like you can ask questions like because I think if you just tell someone, like, who is, like, I think I want to know who God is, and they have no, like, baseline for Christianity at all, and then you're like, yeah, go read the Bible. You'll figure it out. And they read the Bible, they're going to be confused if they're coming from, like, an American modern context, you know? They're going to be like, wait, this God, like... He wanted them to do animal sacrifices and there's he polygamy involved. all these involved. Egyptians. And... Yeah, it's like there's, it's so not a, like a book written to the modern American, you know, like especially one that is, has any kind of like scientific background and has, you know, been in an environment where STEM was heavily you know brought to them and their mm -hmm. attention and their learning and because it, it teaches you a different way of learning and i think for me it's like i grew up in this very like mathematic formulaic way of thinking and I, that's the way my brain works really and and i want to be able to say god's a formula a plus b equals c every time and he's not it's so i mean there's some things that are like always true about god mm -hmm. but it's like as far as situationally it's really hard to say god's a formula and so for me, it was like, I just felt in the, the church I grew up in that, well, first of all, I didn't know anybody. I had nobody to ask. My, like, I knew that my parents were Christian. I knew that they cared about being Christians, but we didn't, like, go into deep theological discussion at home. You know, there wasn't really a context for that at home. And so I didn't really feel like, I mean, maybe I've asked them a handful of questions, but 
one thing I really appreciate about them is they never like forced anything on me. They, they really promoted self-discovery. And so even in a religious sense. And so, but that being said, I didn't have anybody to ask. And so whenever I got into this like community context where I was like reading the Bible really for the first time all the way through, I'd be like, Hannah, what is this verse about women not being allowed to talk in the church? And she'd be like, oh, hey, actually, there's, like, some context to that. It's a letter that was written to a specific church. Here's an article, you know? And I was like, oh, that makes sense, you know? Because Information is helpful. Right, yeah, because it was... I had this, like, idea of the character of God internally because I was praying a lot. I was having what I would say conversations with him where it's like I'm praying and saying things and asking questions to God and like waiting on him for responses, never being like, this is truth, capital T when he responds, but like getting this sense of like, I think this is in line with the Bible and the character of God. And so I'm stretching that muscle. And as I'm doing that kind of in my mind have developed this like sense of like what God is like. And he's like, to me, just very gracious and merciful and sweet and but also powerful and like blowing my mind and so much bigger than I could imagine and you know convicting but with kindness and it's just like I'm learning a lot about his character and it's really hard for me to reconcile these things I'm reading in the Old Testament with this God I think that I'm getting to know and so it's kind of it feels kind of backwards and I actually one of the most recent podcasts that they Bible Project put out was talking about Tim Mackey saying like this, they had asked, it's the um, Paradigm Series Q&R where um, this woman asked, like, I can't even remember really the question, but it led into, like, her asking, oh, gosh, I can't remember the question at all, but really Tim Mackey is explaining his experience with Christianity where he didn't start with the Bible, he started with Jesus. Like, he encountered Jesus first and then read the Bible and was, like, pairing scripture onto this experience of Jesus. And obviously, like, your you know, experience of something is corrected by truth, capital T in scripture. But it was like, the thing that kept me coming back was knowing God, not reading the word of God. And now I'm like falling deeply in love with the word of God and seeing how those things go together and become, you know, God, whole Trinity, you know? (laughs) And so it's kind of all muddled in my mind now. It's not really clear as far as like, scripture leads to Jesus. You know, it's like there was like times in my story where I was really encountering God through prayer and like these spiritual disciplines and not as much the word. And some people were being like, bad, (laughs) you know, but I needed that time to Mm -hmm. like reconcile with like emotions, you know, and, and now is the time that I'm like, really, I've read the Bible all the way through and I'm like, okay, how does this all make sense logically? And God is really taking me on this journey. Like, I don't feel like I've arrived at any point of being like, oh, now I get it. Everything is like this. (laughs) It's like, it's, and I think for the rest of my life, my theology is going to change, you know? Mm -hmm. And I've become comfortable with that. And I'm not saying that everything's gray. There are some things that I think are black and white. But for the most part, it's like, I'm not listening to one source and being like, that is for sure true all the time you know we're like we're all people we all have like fractions of what god is like and that's why i I think there is this like sub-christian culture that is really worried about things being heretical or like incorrect and i mean there's whole channels on youtube of devoted to people critiquing christians and critiquing churches and and i just i mean i think i i sat on that boat for a while and i think the fruit of it was bad and I like was like, you know what? I think 
and one of our friends Parker says I think God cares a lot more about unity than we realize and so when I hear people critique like the Bible project or even something like another church like that I don't even know anything about I'm like I kind of take it with a grain of salt I'm Mm -hmm. like okay like theology really matters to you and that's wonderful like you should cultivate that but not as a weapon to use against people and I think I've in my so another part of my story is really experiencing a lot of people manipulating the Bible to justify hurting me. And um, to give some context to that, there, I had a really good friend. She was my best friend in middle school, and she told me, Lindsay, we can't be friends anymore because Jesus told me that you're not good enough for me. And so, you know, that whole not good enough thing wow. verbalized right to my face, and the name of Jesus is on it, you know? Yeah. Another reason why that was like a big thing Another I had to overcome. you should not listen to middle schoolers. <laughs> Yeah, seriously, they're the worst. And but like in that argument with that friend, she used scripture to justify that. And at some point, like I'm crying because I feel so broken by this broken friendship. And my mom is like, "What is going on? Let me read your text." And she's like, "Lindsay, this is not what this verse means." And I and I didn't know because I didn't know the Bible because I was a seventh grader, you know. And so I get it. Like I get that when you like use scripture to manipulate or use it as a weapon it's like really a, a problem like it's not light or something to be blown past and it matters that we like care about what scripture is saying and the context in which it's said and so and and i think that's part of why i feel so devoted to figuring out what scripture says on its terms and not mine because it matters what the biblical authors want because i I, I'm just some guy, first of all. Second of all, I have a totally different context. It is like an intercultural and time-expanding like <laughs> experience to read the Bible. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't want to come at it with my worldview and press it onto the Bible. Yeah. And so I think it's a big deal and I care about it, but I also think it's kind of a waste of time to point fingers at other churches or movements and be like, they're bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well... N- they probably got a few things wrong, but they're humans, and so are you. Get wrecked, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Get wrecked indeed. <laughs> that's how I feel about yeah. that. So, mic drop. No, <laughs> Except that it's some, on a stand. That's something. Oh, yeah. You can't drop this mic. They're nice and heavy, though. They drop they pretty well. If I punch it, can <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> um, that's actually something that really started to come to prominence in my mind a couple of years ago before i came back to the states and like wrestling with god in a lot of different areas and having really a lot of bitterness toward churches and how wrong i thought they were in so many different areas and then i i was in i had been to multiple different churches in australia and found something to pick at every time yeah and so then easy. I was, I remember sitting, listening to this sermon from a very big church <laughs> and just be like, man, I know why this guy's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you all, that one guy this, in the audience. <laughs> yeah, all, all this stuff about, you know, just me trying to say theology's wrong or something or something right. doesn't line up. And I felt like God was like, yeah, but whose couch are you sleeping on today? <laughs> and I was like, ah. Yeah, these people are pretty great. Yeah. Because <laughs> I had been taken in again by mm. people from the church. 
who are just like, hey, this guy needs help. Let's help him out. Yeah. And it really started, I, I feel like God really just started talking to me a lot at that point about, Joel, everybody gets it wrong. Mm-hmm. If what you're judging a church by is how good their theology is, you're never going to be satisfied. Oof, that's a good word. I mean, it's true. It's just it's it's like, surprising that how much you think that God would care about that. And he's like, actually, I just care about your heart. Yeah. And you're like, oh, what? Yeah. And if <laughs> you are going in there and not loving your neighbor well because you think that they have the wrong information. One, you should probably tell them if you think they have the wrong information. Like, yeah, it's kind of an act of love to yeah. like maybe correct them you yeah. know, in love. <laughs> you know? But most of the time, you probably just need to humble yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to humble myself. And since that point, it's been an active thing for me to be to go into churches, to hear sermons or to hear people preach online or yeah. whatever it is and be like, it doesn't matter that much. Yeah. Like I'm not... The, the primary purpose of, of that body is not to help me figure out the ultimate truths of the universe <laughs> right? <laughs> beyond the love of God. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying theology doesn't matter. I'm not saying learning right. doesn't matter. Right. I'm just saying that we pick apart other churches way too much. Oh, yeah. And most of the world just sees that, by the way. Like, yeah. if you're a Christian and you're just smack-talking other Christians because they're pentecostal and you're like baptist Mm -hmm. nobody outside of your circle is seeing that they're not seeing oh yeah these denominations disagree on theology they're like no there's christians fighting again yeah that's what people are thinking yeah and it's like why would i want to be a christian it sounds like it sucks yeah (laughs) you guys don't seem to get along very well right with your own people yeah so stop that it's and also i think that's part of the human experience is that we're different and we have different preferences and God made us different on purpose. And it's like a strength that you bring to the table when you think differently or see a different perspective. Yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of the way I like to interpret. I mean, again, I'm not saying this is the co- most correct interpretation, but whenever in Acts 2, 42 through 47, it talks about, um, well, cool, I'm going to forget it right on the spot. That's awesome. <laughs> it's like uh, they were all together and they had everything in common uh-huh. and um i think that's crazy that like they had everything in common and i think we kind of use that phrase like oh yeah they have these things in common like characteristics or traits i think part of it is they're saying they had all of their things in common like their stuff their stuff but i think it's it could be making a bigger statement about like they were of one body and of one mind and they had all things in common and they counted their differences as something that unified them rather than kept them apart. Mm. And I think that comes to play in different theologies and denominations. Like we need each other, you know? And there's this really good book that we read in our discipleship school called Sacred Pathways. And it kind of just (laughs) like the kind of corny way to explain it is like the Enneagram, but for time with God. (laughs) (laughs) And that's kind of a, it's not the best way to explain it, but it's like these different ways that people can experience god and how they're different and you like you read through it and then you like score yourself with like how much you would uh, put yourself in that category and you're not like in one category like you can have multiple that are like high ranking and i was really honestly like more than it was helpful for me to like read the stuff that was about me it was 
awesome to read the stuff that wasn't about me because that was there was like a traditionalist someone who really encounters god through tradition and like liturgy that is the opposite of me but i have friends that are like that that i thought were wrong because they were like that mm-hmm. and i'm like no actually that's so good you know and i had to repent to them i was like i'm sorry that i like thought that you were wrong because you are really encountering God through liturgy and that's powerful. And so it just really, it's a good book if you like really want to like be humbled (laughs) (laughs) and just hear about the different ways to encounter God. And it's not an exhaustive list by any means, but it's just helpful for creating that framework for me too. Yeah. Everybody's different. Everybody's different. I heard this really good teaching recently. It wasn't Tim Mackey. (laughs) (gasps) No. (laughs) He was talking about the parable of the weeds Mm. the weeds and the and the grain Mm -hmm. how a farmer planted a field there's a parable that jesus tells in i think it's in matthew Mm. and he says a farmer planted a field and sowed crops in it Mm. and then while he was away someone came and sowed weeds throughout the field and the farmer's servant found out and he brought it to the master's attention, the farmer, and he said, hey, there's weeds all over. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're like getting mixed up with all the other plants. Mm-hmm. And he said, do you want me to pull up the weeds? Should we uproot them? And the farmer says, no, you might pull up the wheat yeah. with it. Let them grow together. And one of the points that this teacher brought up was that it's not our job to decide what's weed and what's wheat it's like if you are looking at the church or outside the church and trying Mm -hmm. to say i know what god's people are i know who's the right the good people and the bad one burns (laughs) yeah yeah if you're looking at anybody and you're like that one's gonna burn (laughs) Uh, yeah oh i think god would look at you and say that's not your job and yeah. you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Oh, gosh. That's I not what you should be focusing had on. had a similar experience of just like, there was a teaching of just like, you don't belong on the judgment seat of God because you can't handle it. Yeah. <laughs> like you can't. Could you have done what Jesus did? Could you have made that sacrifice? You want the truth? You can't handle the truth. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. I think it was a, yeah, it was such a good teaching. I probably don't want to look in the mirror with the truth glasses of God on. Oh, <laughs> no freaking way. <laughs> Oh, gosh. And, and I think there's, like, a propensity as an intellectual to, like, put on that hat. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not trying to. It's, like, it's kind of like an inductive reasoning kind of mindset of, like, you're just trying to be, like, okay, well, this is what this is, so therefore this, you know. And it's, it. I don't think it's sinister in nature as it starts. But I think people that are highly intellectual need to, like, know that they have a propensity to go into this judgment critique zone and be careful not to land too hard in that camp. I'm looking at you, John MacArthur. (laughs) (laughs) Someone just got shouted out on the podcast. (laughs) Take that, guy. I don't know who that is. (laughs) Oh, okay. It would have been funnier if you knew. Dang it. Well, missed opportunity. Yeah, it's okay. We'll figure it out later. But no, I, I think I do that a lot, and I'm speaking mostly because I'm the biggest culprit. Like, I judge people very easily. And and I'm trying, like, I think sometimes in my brain I have, like, a ranking system. Like, or a, maybe a better metaphor to use is, like, categories and boxes. Like, I'm trying to place things ever, always in, like, the right category. 
so that it makes sense in my brain. But in doing so, I'm like asserting my judgment of somebody and like forcing them into a category. And that happens in spiritual things. Like I'm judging their sin. I'm judging their spiritual maturity, you know? And then all of a sudden I find myself in this position where I'm like, okay, so I'm better than these people and I'm worse than these people. So how do I get better? And then I'm like, wait, this is wrong. Like I don't have the right. (laughs) And, And it's just given me like having like that constant kind of, okay, am I, like, I can't sit on the judgment seat. Mm -hmm. It just takes me out of myself pretty regularly so that I don't feel like I'm constantly judging people. And there, you know, the product of that is that I'm less insecure because I'm not asserting judgments on people and their sin. I'm therefore not doing it to myself. And I think if you're experiencing a lot of insecurity, it might have to do with how much you're judging others as well. At least that's what I found in myself. And so it's a big deal. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's a journey and it's a process. And luckily God's not like, be better tomorrow or else, <laughs> you know? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to try, I swear. Right. It's not like this, oh, I failed again. Dang yeah. it. You know, it's like God taking you on a journey, renewing your mind, giving you new mindsets, breaking off lies. Like that's been the like path to breakthrough for me. It's like, oh, this is rooted in this lie that I believed when I was three on the plate, you know, and going there with God, getting like, oh, this is actually a lie okay, what's the truth? Oh, I'm accepted. Oh, that I'm not the one that judges people. You know, that God loves me and sees me as completely full, that I wear like the righteousness of Christ and I'm cloaked with it, not my own. It's like all of a sudden, like it happens so subtly, but I'm so much better. Like Mm -hmm. in my, my mind is a safe place again. And it's like, how did that happen? I have no idea. Like it just happened very subtly over time with God just breaking off these things, you know? Mm -hmm. Anyways, it'd be pretty awful to have to live up to a God who can, who knows what you look like at the end of your life. Yeah. He, but doesn't, he doesn't ask you to be there. Mm -hmm. God's not looking at me and saying today, you'd better be tomorrow's (laughs) version. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Figure it out. Yeah. By yourself. (laughs) This God doesn't ask us to be to live beyond today in terms of how we perform or who we are. Mm-hmm. Like that's incredible patience yeah. for one thing. And also just the mark, I mean, even in, on a smaller human level, the mark of a, a good teacher, mm-hmm. not expecting your, your student, your disciple, if you will, <laughs> to live up to a standard that they can't even see yet. Yeah. Yep. It's crazy. But we do that with other people. Oh, yeah. I'm like, I'm going to impose my view of reality onto you and I'm going to judge you accordingly. (laughs) It's like, that's not fair. (laughs) And who am I to know that my measuring stick is anything like what God's using? Oh, yeah, for sure. My wife, like, seriously, if if, if high school version of me would have imagined my life and seen me right now, she would have been disappointed. But I couldn't, like, the, the things that I wanted in high school, if I had those now, I would be so messed up you know and i'm just like i like what i thought success was what i thought right and wrong was not at all what i thought like the world is not at all what i thought that's and i think that's even just one thing that i like to encourage people with when they're struggling with depression is like the the view when you're depressed is that there's like you know sometimes it's like light at the end of the tunnel like this is hard now but there's hope at the end of it when you're depressed it's like a 
tunnel you're digging downward with no end in sight and so like the hopelessness is like unbearable Mm -hmm. and so like when I was in that season I could not see a way out at all like in any direction but God you know it was like it was actually like I was like digging down and I was digging to the right and I was digging to the left and you know trying to go all these different directions to find the light and I had to like stop digging entirely and turn around and God was at the top and he was like, I'm going to lift you up out of this hole. And it was it like to into a reality that I could not yet imagine. And it's like, that's what God is like, you know, that's crazy. And so just knowing that there's a God that redefines things and actually genuinely renews your mind. Oh, it's so crazy to me, you know, mm-hmm. and it was like the thing that set me free. So that's great. It's yeah. a good thing to end on. <laughs> but it's not over yet. Oh, get ready. Because there's always a funny story. Okay. And a recommendation. Yeah. Um, I forget which I do first. <laughs> it's been a while, guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, it's the recommendation. Because I like to end laughing. Okay. If you have a recommendation, it can be anything. It can be like, the color blue is awesome. You should enjoy the color blue more. Or... Yeah sparkling grape juice like seriously <laughs> yeah it's better than you think i also <laughs> have a funny story which i'm going to tell first because we were going to end on your note okay but i mentioned earlier that i hadn't had alcohol in like a month yeah did you lie no oh <laughs> <laughs> i was like wow funny story i lied <laughs> gotcha Pranked. no i so i live with one person john my roommate mm-hmm. hey john um and we have a friend david who is he was while he still he used to live in the building across the street from us and we joked that he was like our kramer because he would just come in every time time david comes in the door he has a bottle of alcohol love it and he came over like over a month ago it was it was a friday night and i worked at 7 a.m the next day and i was settling in to like read Mm -hmm. and go to bed by nine (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah and david comes in and i'm like reading the lord of the rings <laughs> yeah perfect time for kramer to come in and i i don't know if i had already or if i did at this point i poured myself a glass of whiskey mm-hmm. but i'm sitting there and i just enjoy my glass of whiskey just sipping on it mm-hmm. and kramer comes in with, <laughs> with a bottle <laughs> a new bottle yeah and then at some point john gets back and he's at the apartment the three of us are all very good friends and we're hanging out and David decides to pour us some shots. <laughs> so we pour shots of whiskey. And I'm just like, are really, are we, we going to do this? Because I've never shot anything like that before. I've never done that. Because it's never... 15-year-old me is like, <laughs> LOL. Yeah, it was never something that I thought of. And I was like, that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> yeah. You only do it because of peer pressure. Yeah. There's so no other circumstance. I'm there. Peer pressure, kind of healthy peer pressure in this situation. At least <laughs> yeah. I'm with two safe people. I'm at home. Yeah. Like, I'm fine. <laughs> and so I throw back one shot and I'm like, oh, okay, that's not too bad. It wasn't, it yeah. was actually less hot of a whiskey than what we had like on the counter. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, that was all right. Over the next 45 minutes, I take three more shots. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just progressively oh, getting no. more, more giggly, oh, basically, because no. I'm a happy drunk. That's As funny. I learned in this experience, because I'd never been drunk before. Wow. 
And I'm still like, guys, you think I can still do a handstand? I'm still able to do handstands two shots in. And then have a fourth shot. At this point, I've essentially had like five glasses of whiskey, which I never do. My limit is two glasses of whiskey over the course of like two hours that I'm sipping on. Oh, Maybe two beers in a night. I am not a heavy drinker. I weigh 125 pounds. (laughs) Like, I'm not the guy. (laughs) You're not the guy. I'm not that guy. (laughs) So I sit down at the couch at some point after the fourth shot. And I'm just kind of sitting, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and I, I don't feel really good. And I go into the bathroom, Ugh. and I sit down on the floor, <laughs> open the lid of the toilet, and I just breathe for a little while. And yeah. then more than air comes out. Yeah. And I heaved up everything in me for the next, like, hour. Tragic. I yelled out. <laughs> Yelled to the guys who were still in the kitchen, like, why'd you do this to me? (laughs) I I feel so betrayed. (laughs) Thought you were my friends. Different stuff. Like, I definitely was not blaming either of them. I was just like, wow, this feels horrible. This is not something I want to do again. But fully embracing it. Like, I chose to keep drinking. Yeah. I found my limit. Yep, there it is. Um, They were very good. John came and held my hair back. (laughs) <laughs> your no I, hair that you have <laughs> i have a shaved head that's a joke uh, but they like got me electrolyte beverages and water yeah. and was like pat me on the back mm. helped me like, like turn down the shower for me it's like come on get in the so shower tough. and i got in the shower and then i crawled out of the shower and they put me to bed with some electrolytes and <laughs> gave me a little trash can <laughs> wow what good friends <laughs> yeah wow. and i like Half, I like shivered and sweated my way through the night. <laughs> oh, got up I'm in the morning. I know this experience so yeah. well. I got up in the morning though, and I went to work. Oh man! And that's the worst. I told my coworkers about it, and I haven't had alcohol since because that'll it's not ruin appetizing. your relationship with alcohol for sure. Yeah, but I'm I'm again, like I said earlier, I don't regret anything I've done in life. I regret things I don't do. I yeah. don't regret this. Reason being, I learned yeah. what not to do. There you go. And, and yeah, that was <laughs> the only time I've ever been drunk. Wow. It was horrible. Yeah. I don't awful. recommend it, but I'm not going to tell you not to do it if you haven't, because yeah. you'll learn something. I am going to say, if you have done it, you should probably stop because it's not like enjoyable. See, this is it's, I. So I drank and got drunk so regularly, but I was so good at it. That's yeah, my problem. I, I had, never. I had never built up a tolerance to this. Yeah, like I, at one point, I remember I had a night where I had seven shots, didn't feel anything. Like, oh, it took seven shots to like get drunk. Yeah. But like, I never threw up. I never was hungover. I was always just bouncing back like nothing happened, hmm. which is why I was so good at it for so long. Yeah. I have not drank in a year and a half, which is cool. really good for me. Yeah. It's, it's personal personal preference. Just but. alcohol. This is the thing. If it yeah. doesn't treat you well, yeah. Or if you're don't just too it. good at it, you just retire. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. What's your funny story? Or no, oh, okay. what's your recommendation? It can be anything. Yeah. Listen to the Bible Project podcast. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, that's a good recommendation. <laughs> yeah. And, and have certain, an open mind. Yeah. Have an open mind. That's key. Yeah. Um, is there a place you recommend people start? I would say the Paradigm series is a very good place to start because it kind of sets you up for this new way of thinking and especially if you're like 
no one's ever told me how I should read the Bible. There's one called, I think the first episode is how to read the Bible. (laughs) So listen to it. It's It's also really easy to find currently because it's like the most recent series they did. Yeah, absolutely. Another really good one, if you just want to like have your brain completely exploded is called God or Gods. It's a series about God. Right. Yeah. It will just destroy you. It it will yep. put you in your place, like <laughs> as far as um, causing you to just break down um, preconceived notions that maybe a tradition has instilled upon you, and not like destroy them so that you don't agree with that anymore, but more so like give you a clean slate to like ask the question, God, who are you? You know, mm-hmm. and to and to reckon with things in the Bible that are hard and confusing. Yeah, things it's a great wreck. Yeah, thank you. Okay. All right. Do you have a funny story or a joke? Oh gosh, I have so many funny stories. That's the thing is like <laughs> I get on the spot, I get I blank. Yeah, everybody does. Yeah, everybody. Oh, I I mean I have one that comes to mind that is like, if I tell it, it's not going to be that funny. But to me, it's very funny. It could be, and even if it's not, but it's still funny to you. You laughing will probably get me laughing. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> like I hope I can get through it. Well, it's like I can do it now because I've told it enough times. But when I told our friend Kirsten for the first time, like, we were crying, like, tears in both of our eyes. Me and Kirsten get each other. (laughs) We have the same sense of humor, so that's probably why. But, okay, so picture this. It's, like, a late night of studying in my, I think, probably junior year of college. And I'm like, you know what? I have this thing where twice a year, exactly, I, like, want McDonald's, McNuggets. Like, yeah. And actually, I've been eating it more regularly than I'm proud of the past couple years but (laughs) it's like you know balling on a budget lol but um at this point like like one time my freshman year of college i was in the middle of a movie with like several friends and i was like guys i need mcnuggets right now or i will die and like we paused the movie and walked to mcdonald's anyways it was one of those moments so i was like stage i was like crap i need mcdonald's so bad right now and i think it was at some like ungodly hour because i was probably up late studying and so i went to the mcdonald's by my house like drove there went to the drive through and like normal ordered all my stuff and then <laughs> the lady's like hey your straw's in the back and i said you too and then i drove away <laughs> and i didn't realize until afterwards and i was like no that's the worst you two ever like <laughs> your straws in the bag you too buddy and she was probably so confused and i i died about it so that's like forever one of the dumbest things I've ever done. <laughs> oh it's embarrassing but it, but <laughs> i told kirsten about it and she almost peed her pants like it was so funny <laughs> <laughs> I also just things that make me laugh are like the unpredictable things. Like, so the fact that that even happened was just so funny to me. Oh my gosh! Wow, thank you. I'm glad you laughed. Oh my- <laughs> A handful of times I was told it and it didn't land. And I, I was like, come I on. I love those moments. <laughs> I love those moments because everybody does it. Yeah. Because we're so programmed with these auto responses yeah. that people can say anything. Yeah. <laughs> <I was> th- <laughs> like, usually I, I can catch th- myself, too. I was thinking about it the other day while I was at work. I was like, what if one of these customers, I'm just like, okay, screw you. And they walk away, they're like, you too. <laughs> <And> <laughs> but they like, probably what? would. 
Yeah. They probably would. Especially yeah, with the mask to... on. And if I'm not speaking loudly, yes. the assumption everybody has is they said, like, have a good day or whatever it is. Right. Just like, you like, too. Yeah. And that's what gets you into, as a child, people are like, happy birthday. You're like, happy birthday to you, too. Yep. And you're like, oh. And they're like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Christmas, never mind. <laughs> or you're like, <laughs> you're at a, a restaurant and the waiter's like, enjoy your food. And you're like, thanks, you, too. <laughs> and you're like, no. <laughs> and they come back and start eating your fries. <laughs> You're like, oh, they probably feel so sad because they're not eating my food, you know? <laughs> oh, oh man. man. So that was my, that was a good one. So. <laughs> straws in the bag. <laughs> you too. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Look at that. <laughs> Something I never expected. <laughs>